0: You're listening to Don't Waste Water.
1: How do you value water? Is it a PUC-driven return on capital? Or is it something else? Is it Should it be more market-driven? Around the world, we find that it is more market-driven. And we are okay with private ownership of water utilities. UK. Manila. They just go around the world. The US, I think we're somewhat afraid to attack that issue.
0: Hello, bonjour, and
1: welcome to the Don't Wister podcast. I've heard people say the value of water should be free. I've heard people say the value of water is the same as the value of life. You know, somewhere in between is the right answer.
0: I'm your host, Antoine Valter and in today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Damien Giorgino as my guest. When you look at water usage, the largest single water user is
1: agriculture. By a factor of 10, to the next largest user, which is energy. And by a factor of 10, next is industrial. And then by a factor 10 less is residential users. So we focus on residential to fix the problem. Maybe there are some other ways to look at it that can fix the bigger use.
0: Damien is partner at Womble Dickinson. We worry about chips. 60%
1: of the chips come from Taiwan. They're having their worst drought in 60 years. Wonder why there's a chip issue.
0: Womblebone Dickinson is the leading law firm that provides support to organizations operating within the fast-moving, challenging and dynamic energy, water and food nexus. That was a hell of a ride. What am I talking about? Well, this exploration of the water crisis in America. I know, to some of you, it may sound like the definition of a first-world problem. Yet, when you look at the challenges that the wealthiest country on Earth faces when it comes to water, you get a better sense of the global water riddle we have to solve. I hope that with the 20 stops on that journey, we started in September, you got to grasp that beyond the real and daunting challenges, there is also an array of solutions. That it's not a lost battle at all and that we can win it, assuming we align ourselves, put all the pieces of the jigsaw in place and get the ball rolling at all levels. Now I get it as well that it can be challenging to connect so many dots, here's why I have a special offer for you. If you go to www.show slash crisis in america don't worry the link is in the show notes you can download a 104 pages cartoon that synthesizes what all my new york guests have told us over the past weeks combined with the best insights from previous guests and literature review with a bit of my own brain juice to do the jointing 104 pages of a simple down-to-earth cartoon that's taken me 6 months to write, design and compile, 104 pages where you'll find all the protagonists you've heard on that microphone, carefully pictured in a cartoon shape by my talented illustrator, so what do I ask you in exchange of that download? Well… nothing. It's free. Forever. What's the catch? Well, I hope you'll trust me if I tell you that there's absolutely no catch. I simply want that knowledge to go to as many people as possible. Now, if you want to help me in this endeavor, you can share the cartoon with whoever you think shall read it. And if you have a website, internet is about linking, so you could consider linking to the cartoon page from your resources section, your blog or your media page. Whatever suits you, suits me and brings us one step forward. Finally, if you don't like reading and prefer to listen to or watch the content of the cartoon, I've already released Chapter 1 as a podcast on this podcast channel and as a video on my YouTube channel. Go check it out, three more are in the making, my one-man band is spinning its wheels to make it happen as fast as possible. That being said, we have a last leg in our interview journey to air today. That's my conversation with Damien. I swear you'll swiftly get why I thought it would be the proper one to close the series. We're revisiting some of the themes we already covered, like water feed for purpose or distributed approaches, but we're also framing it by looking at it from a different angle. Sure, residential water is a trouble and we're rightfully concerned about getting water of sometimes questionable quality, but all the industrial goods and food we rely on every day also need water and actually a lot more. So by the volumes, different parts of the water cake may request more of our attention and Damien will remind us of that. I've already been exceptionally long with this intro, so I'll leave the floor to Damien and I'll see you on the other side. For more information, visit gfps.com. Hi, Damien. Welcome to the show. Thank you. What's to rethink in water?
1: The rethinking of water is probably not an answerable question because we have to look at it from a number of different angles. Capital, we need to look at it from talent management. We need to look at it from technology. And you need to look at it not just municipal water. We all focus on municipal water, but also industrial. We need to look at the water energy nexus the water energy agriculture nexus. And so it's it's a very complex problem, maybe even a multivariable equation or a, a simultaneous equation. But rethinking it means taking that holistic approach and looking at it with those different counterparts in mind. We heard the government, EPA, and others just talking today about their capital needs. They were silent about, where does the private sector fit into this? I think the private sector, when you rethink it, is really where you're going to get the most change. Because the private sector is driven by economics, is driven by market dynamics, and not driven by a political agenda. That's where things get done. And how do you get that private sector involvement? Well, you've got to allow them to be participants. You've got to allow them to have projects that do create revenue, that do create returns, so that they can get involved and make them more efficient. I think rethinking water includes AI. I think it includes new business methods, you know, the outsourcing, the solutions, and you know, water is a solution, water as a service. I think it's all of those. But the private sector has to be involved. The U.S. probably needs a trillion dollars of infrastructure and water Southeast Asia, I just saw a report, Southeast Asia needs $36 by 2035, I think it is. So that can't be done by governments alone. And with the advent of infrastructure funds, with the focus now in the investment community on water, I think it's a nice convergence of capital, technology, and need will really accelerate the growth of the industry, the focus on the sector. I think it's wonderful that people are now focusing on it, but now we have to do something about it. Previously, we had an opportunity to do something about it, but the focus wasn't there. Mm-hmm. With unfortunate events in the world, we're getting the focus on it, and now we have to translate that into actionable investments. What's your role in that nexus? It's <laughs> <laughs> a great question. I've been involved in the water space for more than 25 years as a lawyer with Bond Dickinson, head of the water global water practice for us. I've been founding management, three public companies that are all faced focused on water, I've been an investor with private equity. I've seen the whole gamut of what's going on in the water space. So my role is to help those companies that want to be involved and deploy capital, deploy it efficiently, deploy it effectively, and provide the legal framework and grounding to help them through it.
0: You mentioned all these experiences and you told me that you were- really old. <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> you said you were involved in 500 water projects worldwide. What is the recurring issue which you, you keep seeing and which annoys you when you're thinking, oh, there's so much better ways to do exactly that? Well, I think you need to start with, we need to figure
1: out what the value of water is. I think that's one issue that we avoid. How do you value water? Is it a PUC driven return on capital or is it something else? Is it, should it be more market driven? Around the world, we find that it is more market-driven. And we are okay with private ownership of water utilities. UK, Manila, you know, just go around the world. The U.S., I think we're somewhat afraid to attack that issue. But what is the value of water? I mean, I've heard people say the value of water should be free. I've heard people say the value of water is the same as the value of life. You know, somewhere in between is the right answer. The market will find that. We'll have price discovery through markets. I think that's the first thing we need to understand and appreciate, what are we trying to solve? Right now, I think we just don't address that question adequately. We need to also look at, as I mentioned, the various nexus. When you look at water usage, the largest single water user is agriculture, by a factor of 10 to the next largest user, which is energy. And by a factor of 10, next is industrial. And then by a factor of 10, less is residential users. So we focus on residential to fix the problem. Maybe there are some other ways to look at it that can fix the bigger use. The so
0: what you're saying is that I can pee in the shower as much as I want. It's not going to solve the problem. No. <laughs> and we, we penalize California. 8% of all the water used
1: in California goes to residential. And they're the ones that are being pinched right now.
0: We are looking here at rethinking water from a utility standpoint and from a collective way to treat it. In the U.S. right now, the shift is ongoing. And I think next year or in two years, depending on the projections, there will be more water spent on bottled water than on utility water. Is that a threat for the sector at some point? The real question is, how should you
1: deliver water? How should water be delivered? There are a number of opportunities out there that are called distributed water, where water is made locally. One of the issues utilities have, and by the way, the largest single cost of a utility is energy. A water utility is energy. Yet we have this one-pass system. You bring water in, you treat it. Here in New York City, it comes from how many hundred miles away? You pump it up a 50-story building, it comes down and goes out into the river. You treat it and goes out into the river. That's really inefficient. You know, these tall 50-story buildings are small, are small municipalities in a lot of areas. We need to think about treating locally and recycling locally. That gets you away from a lot of these other negative attributes of big systems. Interestingly, and this is a very abstract concept, but when you look at the energy grid about 15 or so years ago, if you need more power, you built bigger power stations or more power stations and bigger distribution lines. Then all of a sudden with the advent of technology and deregulation, you ended up with micro grids that then turned into distributed energy. If you look at what's going on right now, and you used AI to get there, but right now the water systems are unknowing. Not that they're not intelligently designed, it's just you don't know what's going on. And there's nobody converting that information into actionable information that you can use to change your system. You're now getting to the point where you can take that and push it to a distributed water model with AI and with other technologies that are coming out so that you can actually Create
0: a model that doesn't rely on mega systems. Don't take me wrong, I'm a big proponent of distributed systems. But when I listened to the keynote by Seth Siegel this morning, who explains how there's 52,000 water utilities, and the solution might be to go distribute it, that might be resulting in even more facilities, even more infrastructures, not the big pipes in between, mm-hmm. but more smaller scale solutions on the local scene aren't we running into more problems if we go distributed because the system is already pretty fractioned and we would be fractioning the fraction system.
1: Well, again, go back to when I look at distributed water, you're focusing entirely on residential and he's talking about residential. The fifty three thousand are municipal systems. Again, most of the water may be in industrial. You know, look how much water is used in food and beverage, in farming. So when you look at it from that standpoint, it's a little bit different lens Absolutely. that you're looking through. So when, if your only focus is municipal, you're missing the largest piece from a volume standpoint. Absolutely. So uh, you know, again, it depends on which way you wanna go. You look where the, a lot of the pollution is coming from. I think from a municipal waste system, we actually do a pretty good job. There's some, the systems need upgraded and there are new technologies to help maintain those systems, but that's not the volume. And you look at where the wastes are coming from, some of the wastes are not coming from municipal system.
0: The agriculture system is always the difficult beast to catch because it's 70% of the, of the water usage worldwide. But it's also the water which is quite hard to, to, to recycle and to mm-hmm. reuse. So let's look at the 20% in between, so the industrial water. For a long time, treating wastewater for industrials would be a cost to be in business. You had to do it because of regulations. And now with the water scarcity in your realm, there's an economy of scale. I mean, there's improved resiliency in the system when you're starting to Mm -hmm. deal with your water in a positive manner. And that creates the business model you were alluding to the water as a service, wastewater as a service. How far are we in that transformation of the industrial sector when it comes to water? I think it
1: is, be, it is accelerating. Pick an industrial system. I don't care if it's a, a chip manufacturer, which by the way, we, we worry about chips. 60% of the chips come from Taiwan. They're having their worst drought in 60 years. Wonder why there's a chip issue. When you look at the industrial side of it, it is accelerating. And you need to think of it this way. A, a, an industrial user can deploy capital for its wastewater system, but its wastewater system is oftentimes a cost center and they have to comply with their permit, their effluent discharge permit, and so you're negotiating with what that discharge permit limits are, but your solution is probably a low-cost solution. I just want to be able to meet my permit levels. When you now look at industrial outsourcing, for example, where you can take a whole system, how much ever capital is. I I recall that 15% of a chip plant is in water. You take that capital off of their table, put it on somebody else's table, and they run their system for you. You don't have to worry about deploying that capital. It's now an operating expense on a long-term contracted basis. You take it away from, I have to worry about this system from an operating standpoint, to a CFO-type decision as far as Mm. whether to outsource or not. And I use outsourcing generically, I mean, you can call it integration, you can call it EPC, you can call it anything you want, but it's taking assets which would normally be inside the fence and turning it into a a third party contracted.
0: To round off that discussion, I have a bit of a crystal ball question, which is, if you're looking now into the future in five years, in 10 years, what will tell you that we have been rethinking water the right way so that we created an impact?
1: If we have looked at it in that broader sense I started with originally, the impact, I think, you will see in a more efficient use of water. The impact will be in technology being deployed in in a smart manner. It will come from people realizing the value of water, no longer taking a bottle of Evian with, uh, and I've been to the Evian plant in Geneva, on Lake Geneva, delivering that here in the U.S. with a horrible carbon footprint. It's not just the French, it's, you know, uh, Voss in Scandinavia, you know, or, or Fiji, It just drives me crazy, the carbon footprints associated with that. But looking at water differently and realizing that water is not energy, water is not ag, water is all of that. Every company can impact your water footprint. Every human has an opportunity. And when we realize that and get away from government who says, here's what we want to do, and put in the hands of people who can actually do something about it that transforms it. I think that that will be where we see the result. The result will be more thinking about water, not just here's a glass of water, but understanding how it got here, understanding the usage of water in making clothes, understanding the usage of water when you're making chips, understanding where water comes into play with agriculture. I I don't think we we think that way. I think we think in episodic terms right now, Jackson, Mississippi, Puerto Rico, uh, you know, a storm in Puerto Mm -hmm. Rico. We don't need to think of it as an episode that, oh my God, this is the big issue. It is a continuum and that continuum in the next five years hopefully will make people recognize and understand what it takes to get water or what it takes to manufacture
0: anything from clothes to chips. Brilliant. Well to to conclude I have a couple of rapid fire questions for you. Sure. So the first one is what is the most exciting project you've been working on and why? Boy, I've got a, as a lawyer I see a
1: lot of projects are all very interesting. <laughs> the most exciting one now here's here's something for you going back to the textile industry. I've got a client right now who rejuvenates textiles fibers turns them back in uh, in the virgin most uh, textile manufacturing and clothing manufacturers. Very water intensive. Her recycling, and it's a 360 closed loop system, uses 96% less water. Wow, and 90, 90% less energy. So if you want to look at the future of water, it's not just water as delivery, it's what about everybody else's use of water? She's using 96% less water. So that's, I really am excited about that project. What is the trend to watch out for in the water sector? Integrators, you may have your own proprietary technology but you bring in everybody else's and you sit on top of it and finance it and have a monthly fee that's a long, on a long-term contracted basis. I think that's a very exciting part. It's, uh, as one manager told me, it was uh, instead of having to deal with all these different pieces of equipment that have to be coordinated and one person blaming the other, this is the old uh, one throat to choke
0: model. Demon, it's been a pleasure. Thanks sure. a lot and enjoy the rest of the conference. Enchanté. This is it for another episode of the Don't for Water podcast. I'd like to hand out a special thanks to Science Water for enabling it. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to give it a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. I don't know if I deserve five stars, but my guest surely does. Do it now, tell it to your friends, and I'll be back very soon with the next interview.